is the Animals Voice podcast, presented by the Ontario SPCA, with 50 communities working together for animal welfare. Here's the host of Animals Voice, Jamie West. Thanks for joining us on another edition of the podcast on OSPCA Radio. Great show on the way. Don't forget to text OSPCA to 45678 to make a $5 donation to the Ontario SPCA. Later, we'll explain what a feral cat is and why it's so important to manage feral cat colonies. We'll also tell you about the latest information on caring for your own pet cat and discuss some safety tips. But first, it's the Animal's Voice News. The Ontario SPCA has been working in conjunction with various community members and animal welfare organizations across Ontario to develop protocols addressing the recent concerns for animal care in the horse racing industry. The Ontario SPCA communities, along with various organizations, have been working together to develop plans to assist each affected community across the province. Although there are rising concerns for the welfare of the horses from the racing industry, there are also concerns for the lack of feed existing due to our recent summer, says Connie Mallory, Chief Inspector of the Ontario SPCA. She adds, together we are working to help ensure that all animals in Ontario receive the care they require and that no animal will be left to suffer. The Ontario SPCA will continue to update the public as the solutions to these serious concerns are finalized. They want to remind animal owners that if you have concerns for the welfare of your animal, there are alternatives other than allowing an animal to go without adequate care. Contact your local Ontario SPCA to discuss what services are available to report cruelty, email your concern to cruelty at ospca.on.ca. The Ontario SPCA has teamed up with the animal organizations from all around the world to participate in the annual I Am's Home for the Holidays Pet Adoption Campaign. The Society will be participating in the campaign through January 2nd, 2013, helping place orphaned pets into loving forever homes over the holiday season. The Ontario SPCA encourages those who are not able to adopt to purchase a pause and give gift to help the many animals that Ontario SPCA sees every day. Proceeds from this program will go directly to the Ontario SPCA's efforts to prevent cruelty to animals and help the animals in their care. Visit pauseandgive.ca to view all the available gifts. Be sure to visit ontariospca.ca frequently during this time for IAM's Home for the Holidays adoption events at your local Ontario SPCA branch. As one of the most successful pet adoption programs in the world, IAM's Home for the Holidays partners with thousands of animal organizations dedicated to finding forever homes for orphaned pets. Founded by the Helen Woodward Animal Center and supported by IAM's, the campaign began in 19. 1999, with just 14 participating animal shelters in San Diego County. Since it began 14 years ago, IAM's Home for the Holidays has helped 7 million families experience the joy of pet adoption, including more than 1.2 million pet adoptions last year alone. The Ontario SPCA is made up of 50 SPCA and Humane Society communities across the province. Check out our website, ontariospca.ca, for a complete list of communities and how you can support the great work they do on behalf of the animals we all love. You're listening to the Animals Voice Podcast, spelled P-A-W, don't you know, on OSPCA Radio.
Looking after our furry friends is job one for all of us pet lovers. And of course, today we're going to discuss the proper care and safety issues around looking after our feline friends. Joining us on the line is Jen Tuff. She's the branch manager of the Provincial Education and Animal Center with the Ontario SPCA. Jen, welcome to the OSPCA podcast. Good afternoon. Jen, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how long you've been involved in animal welfare? That could be a really long story, <laughs> um, but I can tell you that I share a lifelong love of animals, as most of my coworkers do. And uh, I think my first uh, volunteer job was at a veterinary clinic when I was about eight years old. <laughs> well, you've been at it for yeah. a long time. T- tell us what the benefits are to spaying or neutering uh, our cats. Well, what I can tell you for sure is that um, it does improve their health. Um, Cats that are not spayed or neutered can definitely develop issues or health concerns because of that, cancer being one of them. Um, You also have the issue of pet overpopulation and uh, cats that are procreating right now. Shelters are overrun with cats and there's just not enough homes for the cats that are already in existence. So spaying and neutering is really important to, to help deal with that problem. What's the relationship between outdoor cats and the current overpopulation crisis? Well, right now, there's two things that are happening. Outdoor cats, if cats are going indoors and outdoors, if they're not spayed and neutered, they're also mixing with, you know, possibly a population of cats that's existing that are unowned pets outside. Um, They can share diseases. They can then, you know, produce offspring. Um, There could be, you know, lots of other injuries and stuff incurred by that as well. Well, What are some of these types of diseases that cats can catch outdoors? Well, mostly you're looking at diseases that they could possibly get from other cats. They can also pick up parasites from um, things that they may be hunting, like birds and mice. I see. And what can I do to make the indoors more interesting for my cat? There's lots of things that you can do. Um, There's enrichment toys now that are available at most um, um, pet sort of food supplier places and uh, lots of fun games and things you can do with your cat. Um, We always suggest that you do have pet perches, um, so things that your cat can climb on and so they can sit up in a window and they can enjoy the view outside. Um, There are some people as well that if they want to have their cat or give it the ability to have some fresh air, they can take it out on a harness and a leash as long as they're there supervising that animal while it's out there. So it can be out on their deck with them when they're having their tea and they're keeping an eye on them and the cat can get a little bit of outdoor time, but it's completely controlled. Jen, what types of toys are good to keep my cat busy, say, while I'm away? Well, there's new types of enrichment toys for cats now. There's um, types of things where it actually are there games for cats to play that they're completely self-entertaining, so they don't need a person on the other end. So there is different things where, you know, they have to, the ball will shoot through the toy and the cat will chase after it, and as soon as they hit it, it goes back the other way. It can keep them entertained for hours. Cat scratching pads are also fun. There's little treat balls that you can get, and you put the treats inside of a ball, and the cat has to figure out which way it needs to roll the ball in order to dispense the treats and it can keep them active for quite a long time. Um, That being said, most cats will sleep anywhere from 22 to 23 hours a day. Wow and and when it comes to the entertaining part who's being more entertained the cat or the or the pet owner? (laughs) I think I think both. Yeah (laughs) entertaining for both for sure. There you go. Here's an interesting one for you. Can I clicker train my cat? Absolutely you can. Um, You have to, you know, it works a little bit easier with dogs because dogs tend to be more motivated to learn from you. Um, Cats are very, very smart and they can be clicker trained. Um, It's important that you find um, 
something that's going to really motivate your cat. So a specific treat or a toy that the cat is going to be, you know, that he really, really likes. So you have to kind of give him the, the Cadillac of toys or his favorite thing, like, you know, pieces of steak or meat or something that's really going to entice him into the game that you're playing with him. And that's what you try and do with all training. You sort of make it a game and teach it to the animal in that way. It's funny. My are, wife has done that with me with steak, too. I, yeah. You know, I, I'll, do, I'll do anything for steak. Yeah, there's lots of things that uh, you can motivate for food. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, what are some, uh, turning to maintenance now, what are some quick tips that would help me uh, to trim my cat's nails? That's always a tricky one. Well, for trimming your cat's nails, it's important that, you know, when you do get a new cat, especially if you have a kitten at home, if you can start that right away, including bathing. If you start bathing your cat um, when you first get a cat when it's young, I mean, it'll become used to that and you can continue to do that and that'll really help with, you know, the extra hair and the coat. And then with the nails too, if you're trimming them, you start start them out when they're young. And they'll get used to it and become part of their normal routine. If it's a cat that's not really used to it, um, it's always best to have a second person there to possibly hold and distract the cat um, while you're trimming the nails. But what you want to try and do is hold it or have the animal in a natural position. So when the kitty's going to come up and maybe snuggle with you on your lap, you're going to make sure you have those nail clippers handy in your pocket. And you're maybe just going to, while they're laying there sleeping, getting some extra love, you're going to maybe snip away at a couple of those nails. You never want to put them in a you know, a situation where they feel like they're being forced into it because you'll definitely have some, um, a cat that's, you know, heading the other way. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. H- how often should I trim uh, my cat's nails? Um, they don't have to be done that often. I would say about once a month. Um, most people now, too, if you provide good scratching surfaces for them, too, they'll dull those nails down on those surfaces. Right. What are some quick tips uh, for keeping my cat's coat healthy? That's always a, That's always a challenge, and people are always kind of focused on that, making sure their cat's coat looks nice and healthy? Well, cats tend to groom themselves a lot. Um, They're very good at taking care of their own coat. That being said, regular brushing always helps. It helps distribute the oils through the coat and from the skin to the coat. It also helps, you know, get rid of some of that extra hair. Um, And because cats do a lot of self-grooming, um, they can develop hairballs because of that. So if you add brushing into that routine, you'll be getting rid of some of that excess hair for them, and you'll be less likely to get hairballs. Right. Now, it, you know, that's a common thing, as you point out, uh, among cats. How, how can I most effectively treat hairballs? Um, there really is just products on the market. There's a but there's many different brands, so I can't you know pick just one. But it's specifically, there's hairball remover that you can get, and it, it's kind of like a laxative really for cats, and it helps them pass that hairball through. Are there any special kinds of food for kittens, adult, and mature cats? Different types of foods for different stages of life for cats? Uh, there definitely are. There are. Um, foods that are developed for each different life stage. Obviously, there's, you know, the, the kitten food is going to have a high, higher calorie intake um, because of their activity level and because they are growing. And then when you get into your more senior pets, they're, you know, they're they're changing, they're aging, and there are foods directed to, just to them. That being said, cats are very finicky. So regardless of what the food is that's out there. You do have to find what it is that your cat's going to like and your cat's going to eat. One of the uh, things that people like to do is always giving their cats canned food. And it's not really necessary for them to have canned food all of the time. They can stay stay with a hard diet, but you still have to find something that they're going to eat. They're just like little kids. 
Chicken fingers and French fries not uh, suggested here at all. Yes, but they prefer that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Should I brush my cat's teeth? It is actually really good to brush your cat's teeth. Um, If you are feeding a hard cat food diet, like a kibble-type diet, you're probably going to have less dental issues. Um, What does happen is when you're feeding a lot of canned food or softer foods, um, they can have a more of a tartar buildup because you don't have that kibble sort of, you know, rubbing against the teeth, removing that tartar naturally. And because they are too, they would normally have other things in their diet that would help remove that tartar. So dental issues in cats is it's it's growing. It's it's a big deal. Um, that you need if you can get your cat's teeth or brush your cat's teeth. It can be difficult to do, but it's also suggested too that at your annual checkup with your veterinarian talk about you know dental maintenance and whether or not your cat would actually need a professional cleaning done. Right, Jen. How can I tell if my cat has become sick and and at what point uh, should I consider taking my cat to the vet? Okay. Well, there's a couple of things. Um, cats are they really tend to show their emotion on the outside. And uh, you can sometimes just tell by your cat's behavior as soon as you notice a change in behavior. If you have a cat that's normally, you know, very outgoing and is kind of in your face and all of a sudden becomes listless and depressed, there could be something going on. Making sure, too, that you're paying attention to their litter box habits. If your um, cat... Uh, is maybe not urinating in the litter box, maybe it's starting to urinate outside the litter box or having trouble urinating, that can be a very serious problem. And it's actually, we would consider it an emergency and you would need to go to your vet right away because they can get blocked. How often uh, should I bring my cat to the vet, say, just for a regular checkup? Your regular checkup should happen once a year. Okay. Um, And then you usually would set up a a specific plan with your veterinarian based on the age of your pet. I mean, you know, puppies and kittens or younger animals, they need to go to the vet a little bit more often in the beginning because they have to get booster shots. And uh, as they get older, um, there may be more things going on and things that need to be monitored more closely. All right. If I were to adopt a, a second cat, would all of my cats get along? That's a big concern. Um, Yeah, cats can generally uh, find a way to coexist together. It doesn't mean that they'll all be best friends. Um, You'll see a lot of times that people have like a colony of cats, maybe five or six cats or more in their home, and they all seem to get along just fine. But you can't expect those instant friendships to happen. So, you know, we do suggest that if you are bringing a second cat home, that you really let the new cat um, take time to adjust. You give them their own space, their own room, away from uh, from the existing cat in the home. You do slow introductions where you have a baby gate where the, you know, the cats can sort of pass each other. They at least smell the other cat in the area, but you're not actually letting them be face-to-face. You really have to take your time with it. I have two cats myself that were adopted separately, and uh, they were arch enemies when they first met. And now, I mean, it took three months. But now they're the best of buds and wouldn't be without each other. But if you rush it too fast, you can actually make that friendship be, you know, end up being something that will never come around. Well, there you go. And uh, Jen, uh, we're right out of time. Great to talk to you today. Thanks so much for uh, all of this great information that we can take with us and use right away. Really appreciate this. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you. All the best. We'll talk to you down the road. There's Jen Tuff. She's the branch manager of the Provincial Education and Animal Center with the Ontario SPCA. Lots more information you can use coming up on the Animals Voice podcast on OSPCA Radio.
The Ontario SPCA is always looking for your continued support. Check out our website, ontariospca.ca, and find out how a small donation can make a huge difference in the lives of the animals we care for. Don't forget to like us on Facebook at the official Ontario SPCA page. What exactly is a feral cat? It's a question often asked, and the short answer is... I suppose it's a cat that fends for itself outside all of the time. These cats often live together in colonies. Here now to shed some light on the issue is Roxanne Saint-Germain. She's the director of the Toronto Feral Cat Project. Roxanne, welcome to the OSPCA podcast. Well, thank you for having me. First of all, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how long you've been the director with the Toronto Feral Cat Project? Well, what happened originally, um, I got involved with this. Uh, there was a cat with kittens at my work, and I tried, in trying to find help for them, I couldn't find anyone that would help without them uh, saying, well, if you bring her in, we're going to have to put her down. And so while researching about how to help her, I came across the Ad and Charity Village looking for directors for the Toronto Feral Cat Project, and I applied right away because I was very disturbed by the lack of available resources and wanted to change that. So I've uh, been accepted. Um, the application I went through an interview process, and they uh, accepted me right away. And I've been a director since uh, February of 2010. All right. What exactly is the Toronto Feral Cat Project for those that aren't familiar? Okay. Well, uh, we have a motto. It's called Educate, Advocate, and Participate. And we have a variety of things that we do um, to fulfill that. Uh, we are an initiative to address the feral cat overpopulation crisis. Uh, TFCP promotes trap neuter return as the acceptable and humane way to control the cat overpopulation. Uh, we're an organization that collects data on, a num- on the number of colonies and feral cats in Toronto and the GTA, and we provide training in various formats to colony managers and others who are concerned about the welfare of feral and other community cats, uh, whether they're lost, abandoned, or strays. Um, the education's in a form of monthly three-hour training programs for colony managers. Uh, we also offer a situational awareness and self-defense course, and we're working on a compassion care burnout course. Um, we have a Yahoo group uh, where people can discuss and ask questions about feral and awful feral cats and offer each other support. And we uh, do a whole pile of other things. We're on the national uh, level. We're uh, members of the uh, Urban Animal um, Strategy Summit, and we are part of the uh, people behind uh, Care for Cats. Uh, so we have quite a variety of things that we do, and that's just a drop in the bucket. Okay. What is the Toronto Feral Cat Coalition? Uh, well, the Feral Cat Coalition was formed uh, as a group of nine organizations that joined together in May of 2010 uh, to implement a grass, grassroots TNR uh, program uh, in the GTA. And the organizations include the Toronto Animal Services, Toronto Humane Society, the OSPCA, Animal Alliance, Action Volunteers for Animals, Toronto Cat Rescue, Toronto Cat, Re- uh, sorry, Urban Cat Relief, uh, Toronto Feral Cat Project, and um, we come together basically to uh, discuss issues and develop resources and strategies to work uh, on the cat overpopulation crisis. Uh, we have uh, various resources and volunteers uh, working towards the trapping, sterilization, and maintenance of feral cat colonies. And the overall goal is to reduce or eliminate the feral cat problem in our communities. The problem consists of unwanted behaviors, noise, smell of feral cats, unnecessary suffering, and the unnecessary costs associated with uh, trapping, holding, euthanizing, and disposing of the bodies, which is, um, you know, past 
uh, uh, way of dealing with uh, feral cats and strays and abandoned cats, of course, is to round them up and euthanize them. But uh, this fails to uh, eliminate the problem. All right, Roxanne, how can you become a member of the coalition? Uh, well, the Toronto Feral Cat Coalition is primarily composed of organizations that are interested in addressing the cat overpopulation. If there's another organization that believes they can contribute and has the volunteer resources available to assist with projects, they can contact one of the coalition members, and we would be more than happy to um, you know, discuss some options with them and then uh, discuss it at the coalition level and, and see if uh, they would be a, a good addition to our organization. I guess we should define what a feral cat is. Well, a feral cat is uh, a cat that's not sufficiently socialized to be adoptable. Um, It's very difficult to distinguish the difference between a feral cat and a lost, abandoned, or stray cat that's exhibiting feral behaviors because they're afraid. Okay. Why is it important to manage feral cats? Well, the cats on the um, street are um, from domestic cats who are not spayed or neutered that have been lost or abandoned and have uh, begun to reproduce. Uh, they're not native to the wild, and they should not be in the wild. Uh, since uh, we as a society have created the problem, and not the cats, and not the people taking care of feeding the cats, as are often blamed, I think it's up to us as a society to literally fix the problem. So we encourage everyone to please spay and neuter their pets as soon as possible. There's no excuse for it not to be done. There's lots of resources available to uh, help you get that uh, completed. And uh, we have to stop the problem at the source, which is unaltered owned pets. Okay, Roxanne, what is the Trap, Neuter, Return or TNR program? Well, Trap, Neuter, Return is a process for reducing the population growth at the same time providing support for a colony of cats. Since many of them are not adoptable, uh, trap, neuter, return reduces the number of kittens keeping in check the exploding population and allows the cats to have a healthier existence in the outdoors. Um, Other reasons for um, promoting uh, managing the cats were also um, there's no cost to the community uh, to lower those costs of trapping, holding, and euthanizing, and it also helps relieve suffering. So it's, it's really important to initiate a trap, neuter, return program. How can I learn to manage a feral cat colony? Well, first, I would recommend that anybody interested in feral cats, um, whether you're managing a colony or not, take our workshop. It's called Trap, Neuter, Return, How to Manage a Feral Cat Colony. It's offered monthly at various locations in the GTA. Um, The cost is 15 and it's worth every penny. Uh, You can also research on the Internet. You could use our website, www.feraltoronto.com. We're an information hub for the GTA. You can use our links to get to many other resources, including Neighborhood Cats and Alley Cat Allies website. Both of them were pioneers in the field of TNR and feral cat care. And the Toronto Street Cats has a website at www.torontostreetcats.com. There's tons of stuff on YouTube, and uh, just type in feral cats, and you're in a whole new world. How can I register for the next TNR workshop? Just go online? Uh, Yes, basically online. You could send us an email as well. Uh, The best way to go is to our website again. Uh, There's an online registration form. Uh, The Toronto Street Cats website has a link to that form as well. Uh, We are posting today um, the workshop application for the one we have just arranged this morning for December 8th at the Toronto Humane Society in Room F. So if you go there and it's not quite ready to go, uh, give us till later tonight or tomorrow and that uh, link will be a reset for um, next weekend's workshop.
Okay, what is the Toronto Feral Cat Coalition's relationship with the Ontario SPCA? Uh, well, the um, OSPCA is an active member of the coalition, and they bring many years of experience to the table, um, as do all of the members of the coalition. Um, and that is the one thing that's really strong with our organization is um, everybody has their strengths, and we try to focus on what we're really good at and not over uh, lapping and duplicating um, our efforts like was happening in the past where each each group was trying to do everything they could and now we can like we focus on uh, training and supporting um, colony caretakers uh, OSPCA is very good at um, you know making sure that animals are protected and they have many years experience in uh, dealing with the public and they have some wonderful ad campaigns so that's one of the strengths that they they bring to the table they also offer um, feral cats uh, to be um, spayed or neutered at their um, daily clinics which is a, a great benefit um, to colony caretakers out there who uh, it's really important that when they catch the cats, they can get them into clinics really quickly. And uh, the OSPCA also supports us in that. Who should I contact for guidance and advice if I have a feral cat or cats in my own neighborhood? I would start off uh, contacting maybe us through our website. Uh, we have a contact us link um, that you can pose a question or a concern. Uh, Toronto Street Cats also has a link. And many of the other members on the um, coalition also have uh, help available depending on um, you know if you're rescuing or uh, you know just want advice on what to do um, I would encourage uh, anybody to take the workshop as many questions will be answered and uh, there's a lot of resources provided in the manual that you get with the workshop that can really help you um, get started on uh, being able to help the cats. What, what can I do as an individual to help feral cats? So the most important thing you can do for the cats while communicating with people is to remain professional no matter what. It's vital to not let discussions escalate into arguments or deteriorate into hostile situations because when you leave, any frustration or anger that's been developed is going to be taken out on the cats that you are leaving behind. You always have to think of the cat's best interest and sometimes you have to walk away for now. Uh, there's, there's, if there are specific issues making the neighbors upset, uh, research answers and strategies to help neutralize the issues and try to communicate again. Um, at, the, at the end of the day, you're all the cats have to fight for them and you have to do your best and be in your best behavior always. All right. Um, how can I make a feral cat less afraid of me? Well, feral cats um, survive by being very careful and wary of their environment. And the best way to a feral cat's heart, of course, is through their stomach. Uh, many ferals will learn to associate you with food, and your constant presence will encourage them to recognize that you're not a threat. Uh, I would recommend you be consistent, use a calm, steady voice around the cats. Uh, they will recognize specific calls and learn to come when they hear you because, of course, they're expecting to be fed. Um, you don't make any sudden movements or threatening gestures, and most will learn to tolerate or accept you. Uh, some cats may even start to rub up against you and allow you to stroke them. I would encourage great caution, though, whenever attempting to make contact with a feral cat. Uh, use your best judgment, as, of course, you're the most familiar with your colony and their behavior. And, uh, you know, you, you'll, you'll kind of know when the best time to uh, maybe attempt some contact is. All right. And that's the best way. All right. How, ca how can I help feral cats, particularly in the winter? Uh, well, the best thing to do in the winter is to provide um, shelter and food and water um, to the best that you can. 
I would say uh, on the internet, um, there's many, many, many styles of shelter that you can look at, and uh, almost anything can be made into a shelter. Um, the ones we recommend the best are the Rubbermaid bins. Uh, there are shelter, shelter building workshops held uh, every second weekend down at the Toronto Humane Society through the Toronto Street Crats program. You can come down and make a shelter and take one home, or for a donation, you can um, take the shelters home that you need for your colony. I would recommend feeding the best food that you can afford to feed without detriment to yourself. Uh, feed wet if you can, especially in the winter as the cats get uh, quite a bit of their uh, moisture content, their daily drinking requirements from their food. They're not big drinkers. And uh, just, you know, be consistent in, in offering that support and, and give them the best shelter that you can to try and get them through the winter. All right, Roxanne, and that website again where people can go to learn more? I uh, would go to www.feraltoronto.com uh, to start. We have links to just about anything you could ever want to know. Great discussion. Learned a lot here. Thank you so much for your time today. Oh, thank you very much for having me. And uh, anybody with any further questions, uh, please go to our website and feel free to contact us, and we'll do our best to help you out. All the best. We'll talk to you again down the road. Thank you so much, Jamie. Thank you. There's Roxanne St. Germain, director of the Toronto Feral Cat Project. Thanks for being with us, and don't forget to check us out on Facebook and send your friends to the link to our website, ontariospca.ca. And thanks for texting OSPCA to 45678 and making your $5 donation. The Animal's Voice podcast is a production of the Ontario SPCA. For more information and news from our 50 communities, explore our website. And thank you for your kind and continued support. Remember, fix your pet. Find out how easy it is at fixyourpet.ca. It's the kindest thing you can do.